All right. Welcome to Friday's edition, Friday's edition of Wake Up to the Word. Our studio audience, that does not exist. We love that you're here joining us this Friday for New Testament Friday. And my coffee is a Krispy Kreme drip coffee. Still got some of that left. So we'll try to get a new coffee next week. But uh, uh, we've really enjoyed the Pete's Roast and the Krispy Kreme. We had never tried those two brands before. So we picked those up and got them. So for any of you who care about the coffee, that's what we did this week. So Pete's Roast and Krispy Kreme drip roast. So... Good stuff, good stuff. Get you, keeps you going, keeps me lively. And now let's get into our reading. Here we go. Uh, our reading for New Testament Friday is John 3 and 4. And, you, and uh, uh, the, the stuff in here is pretty thick, okay? So um, I'm going to get to it, but... Uh, I hope you've been doing your reading. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say was uh, thanks so much for you guys sharing with people. Uh, my audience, uh, the audience on the podcast is, seems to be growing. We've just uh, cracked the 300 uh, episode um, of people uh, watching. And I know that's pretty small, but that's a pretty good amount. So we've had uh, 300 hits uh, and we just uh, just launched over that. So let's Let's, uh, I just thank you guys for just, uh, staying with me and sharing with friends. And, uh, if you know anyone who, who, uh, wants to read the Bible, just ran into some folks yesterday who were looking for some good, uh, opportunities for Bible reading and teaching and, uh, uh, offered this to them. They seemed very excited about it. So, um, just got a text from my sister this morning and how much she's enjoyed it. So I just feel really blessed and humbled by uh, the, the amount of people that are joining on the podcast. And so uh, I'm actually being listened to in three different countries, which uh, the, the demographics tell me. So that, again, is uh, pretty amazing to me. So um, uh, we'll just keep going. We'll, we'll keep going. So um, one thing I did notice that as I turn and uh, either run the board or turn here to read or go to my stack of stuff is that I'm losing the mic. I'm softening up. So we've actually added a microphone. There it is right there. We've added a mic so I can turn and read and I still get picked up here and I turn here. So we are, we are, we're advancing. We, we are marching on. We're, we're getting it done. So um, I, I play with the mics a lot and I don't know why. It should, they're just there. So it's just something to do. So we're, we're just glad you're, uh, you're joining in. So, um, Thanks so much, and we will get to it right here. So, uh, uh, so I'll stop talking. Yep, time to stop chatting, and uh, time to start teaching. So here we go. Uh, chapter three. I found it interesting right away. Chapter three of the book of John. Uh, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. So we've heard about Nicodemus because there's a famous Bible quote coming up uh, that Jesus said, um, and we're going to talk about that too. But uh, 
Nicodemus uh, came under cover of darkness. He did not want to be seen coming and talking with Jesus. But the interesting phrase, I just, you know, you read the Bible for as many years as I have, and it never ceases to amaze me when I see something new, when I see something that's that I'd never noticed before. And here it is right here. Uh, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. That you are a teacher that's come from God. That's interesting in that uh, Nicodemus is quite likely, he's a Pharisee, um, a ruler of the Jews, which which really very well puts him in the, in the Sanhedrin uh, class. And he seems to be speaking in a plural that him and his fellow Jewish leaders, his fellow Pharisees, have talked about it, and they, we know that you're from God. That changes a lot of the perspective. When you, when you consider that you could uh, throw them a, uh, a card that says, you know, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt, you may not be aware that uh, or you may not be positive, you're not sure that he's actually the Messiah or he's actually from God. But right here, early in Jesus' ministry, Nicodemus says, we know, we know that you are from God. That changes their whole interaction against him. And now it makes it much more clear, if it wasn't clear already, that why Jesus responded to them the way he did. You could say they're supposed to be religious leaders. They should know. They should see it. But here's the thing. They did. They did see it. They did know he was from God. And yet they still pushed back against him to the point of death because they didn't want to lose their own power. That's scary. That's some pretty incredible stuff. I'm going to turn my light on so I can read. Um, so... Uh, after that, uh, Jesus talks to him and says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of water, I'm down in verse five now, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, he uh, goes on in chapter, uh, verse six, he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, do not marvel that I say this to you. You must be born again. So that's uh, interesting too. He says, born of water and of spirit. What does that mean? Um, some people think it's about uh, baptism, but I think it's more about you have to first be born naturally and then spiritually. You have to have both births. Um, because then he goes on to clarify, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you're born of the flesh first, and you're born of the spirit second. So could it mean baptism? I've heard discussions about it. I, I, I don't discount it. I just think it's 
Uh, he's not really talking about baptism here, and so he doesn't seem to lean towards the baptism here, but it's possible. So we don't want to throw that out. Um, but Nicodemus seems uh, baffled by this, and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't quite understand. Uh, he must be born of the Spirit, so he's asking these questions of Jesus. How can these things be? Um, and then he says in uh, 13, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What, what does that mean? If you know the story from Numbers chapter 21, where Moses lifted up uh, the serpent uh, and put it on a stick and raised it up, and had the people look at it, and if they'd if they'd been uh, bitten by that uh, by the serpent, then then they would be healed. Nothing would happen to them. They wouldn't get sick. And so, uh, what is that? Um, some some have um, likened that to face your fears. You need to uh, you need to come to grips with what you're fearing. Uh, there were serpents all around. They feared the serpent. So Moses says, you, you know, look at the serpent. Just see it for what it is. And we're putting it up on display. And uh, so the Son of Man is going to be lifted up as well. And uh, is is it the same kind of thing going on? Boy, uh, what do you fear uh, in life? You fear um, God's judgment. Uh, and so you need to face that Christ is the Lord and that he paid the penalty and then you're healed. Uh, you need to you need to see that for what it is. You need to see Jesus on the cross for what he is. He's God come in the flesh who's paid the penalty for your sin. Why does he have to be lifted up like that? Because people have to come to the understanding, to the realization. They have to face the fear of judgment. And if we... If we uh, uh, look at uh, going forward. Um, I just give a little. When the when uh, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he says when the when the Spirit comes, he is going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so this is the fear that the Holy Spirit, the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings on the world, those who do not know Jesus the conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. And that's the fear we need to face. We need to face that fear that we are a sinner and we're called to righteousness and judgment is the result if we reject it. And so we need to face that by facing up to Christ on the cross. And so then we go into this very famous um, verse. Um, some people call it the football verse because they hold it up at football games and, and, and things like that. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The next two verses are pivotal as well, but I want to talk about this one. And uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, cults and false teachers take the only son or only begotten son and they use that translation of the word monogenes uh, from the Greek, 
and they make it as, see, Jesus is not equal to God. He is God's son. He had a beginning. He started somewhere. He's created. He's not eternal. The problem is you're not understanding what monogenes means in the Greek. Monogenes, however you want to pronounce it. Um, But its translation is one of a kind, only and unique. That's what the translation, the literal translation of this word is, this Greek word. And it bears itself out in in the book of Hebrews when uh, they use the same word for Isaac, born of Jacob, the, uh, I mean, uh, born of Abraham, um, that Isaac was his only, his monogenes, his only begotten son. Isaac was not his only son. He actually wasn't even his first son. He was his second son. Ishmael was his his other son. And so, but Isaac was the son of the promise. Uh, he was the son promised to God. He would be the in the line, in the genealogy to Jesus. So that's why he was one of a kind and unique. He was the promised son. This is the Messiah. He's the son of God in the fact that in the in the uh, in the in the respect that he became human, he become became man, and so that's where he became a son. Uh, not that his existence began then, but his sonship began then. Because if you remember from the beginning of John, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus' identity. Prior to his birth in Bethlehem was the word. And he's known throughout the entire Old Testament that way, which we've attested to, and will point those out as they come up again and again and again. He is the word, and but now he is the son. He has become the son. Not that his beginning, he, did, he just began, but that in his... Uh, incarnation, uh, he became the son. So that's where that distinction is. And in Jeff's stack of stuff on the website, wake up to the word in Jeff's stack of stuff, there is a, uh, a link to got questions. Tell you all about, uh, I got it right here. It'll tell you all about, it'll read it out, it'll give it to you in detailed form. So go to that link, and they talk all about exactly what I just shared with you, and uh, uh, with a little more detail, with some more references, and uh, so learn to learn. That's why we're here. We want you to learn how to learn. This is a good site. It uh, It's trustworthy uh, on questionable matters. It's going to give you multiple sides of this, but this is not a multiple sides issue. This is what does the Greek word monogenes mean? This is what it means. You can't get around that, okay? So um, that that's what the text says. Okay, the next two verses are very important too because uh, John 3.16 is where everybody stops, but 17 and 18 are great verses. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. This is 19. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. And so this is this is the rub. This is where it is. People enjoy wallowing in what they're doing and what they're where they are right now. And so uh people enjoy the darkness. And so coming into the light means it's not just it's not just about saying a prayer, punching your ticket for heaven, you're all set. It's 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 a praying that that God, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you believe that he rose from the dead, paid the penalty for your sin, and repenting from those sins. And we've talked about repenting again and again and again. It is a turning from your sin, 180 degrees, turning from the sinful things you're doing, the sinful ways you're living, the sinful things you're thinking, and what your thought process is in them, and doing the opposite, turning from them. So that is the mark of a sa- true salvation, is that you turn away from the things you were doing, turn towards the things that God has called you to. It's not about rules. It's about heart change. You changed your heart. You want to chase after Jesus. You want to get into his word. You want to know what pleases him. That's salvation. So, As we keep going through this, we come to uh, John the Baptist, and he starts pointing people to Jesus, um, and and then his he has a famous statement that each one of us has to adopt in our life. He's talking about Jesus, and he says, he must increase, and I must decrease. That is John 3.30. That has to be every one of our all our desire is that I don't do this for me. I do this so you can learn to be with Jesus. That that I, I point to Jesus. This is where I want you to point. This is how I want you to learn. I want you to see that Jesus, the word, Yeshua, uh, um, Yahweh, that is is the truth. That's where we need to head. That's where each of us needs to place our focus. Uh, If you're looking at me and holding me up, you've missed it. You've completely missed it. I'm pointing you to Jesus. You need to go to Jesus. Uh, Yeshua is the way. So then at the end of chapter three, it says uh, that, that God gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life with the wrath of God, but the wrath of God remains on him. So you're not receiving the son. You're not obeying. You're not believing. You're not understanding. You're not following. Uh, 
then the wrath of God is on you. It's, it's upon you. It's going to continue to walk with you. And until you turn, repent, believe, obey. That, that's what we're doing. Interesting part about this is that uh, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. So he really caused an uprising. This is at the beginning of four. But there is a parenthetical phrase here. It says, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. That's an interesting, I asked an interesting question, but wrote it right in my Bible. Why? Why wouldn't Jesus baptize anyone? And guess what? I'm not going to answer that question until next week. So I'm going to leave it to you. Give me some answers. Either email me, uh, private message me if you know me on Facebook. Write it right in the podcast, right at the bottom where it says answers to the questions. And I might even put it in this, in this podcast. Why did Jesus, although Jesus himself, this is John chapter 4, verse 3. No, 2. Verse 2. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Why? Why do you think Jesus didn't baptize anyone? Why do you think he left it for his disciples to do? Write me your answers, what you think. We'll talk about some of them, and uh, we'll give the answer next week. On uh, We'll do it on Friday, so you got to tune in on Friday. New Testament Friday will answer the question, so make sure you tune in. I'm going to make a note so I remember. Answer question. We're working on the fly here. I didn't plan that. That just happened. Okay. Very cool. So now we get down to the Samaritan woman. And uh, some of you know the story. I hope you're reading it. I'm going to give it a synopsis. And I'm going to come down to the, to, the, uh, to the crux of it at the end. Let's see how much time we got here. We are doing good. So uh, 22 minutes in. So uh, the Samaritan woman, Jesus and the disciples are walking through Samaria. And if you don't know about Samaritans, they are half Jew, half Gentile. And the Jews and the, Gen and the Samaritans don't get along. So that's, if you don't know the groundwork to that, um, it's very uh, a racial. It's a racial thing. So uh, uh, racial tension is not new in case you didn't know that. Um, so there, in Samaria, Jesus is tired. He sits down near the well, near Jacob's well, and the disciples go into town to um, to uh, to take up the... Uh, to go get some food. Jesus meets with the... the, uh, the woman at the well comes to him, and I think my physical therapist is going to show up here, so... Uh, that's all right. He's a pastor at the church, so we <laughs> uh, maybe we'll invite him in to answer some questions. So the uh, the woman meets him at the well, and they uh, he asks her for water, and she is astounded by this. Uh, you shouldn't be asking me for water because uh, Jews don't talk to Samaritans, and so then they get into this conversation about. Uh, he tells her to go call her husband. The woman answers. He says, I have no husband. And Jesus kind of prophesies to her or tells her about herself. You are right in saying, I have no husband. I'm all the way down here in verse 17, uh, 18 now. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Some people say that Jesus never said he was the Messiah. Jesus never said he never made a claim to be Messiah. Then they have not read John chapter 4 because that is a clear, definitive declaration that she said she's waiting for Messiah. Jesus said, I'm the guy. He said, I am Messiah. He didn't say the word Messiah, but he said, I am he. I am Messiah. And so she... Uh, went away and told all the townspeople, said, come and see this man, told me everything I knew. She's given a headline, and that's how we should tell people about Jesus. What did he do for, change my life. Uh, you, uh, you have to meet Jesus. Uh, let me introduce you to Jesus. Change my life. I once was this way, now I'm this way. You want to give a testimony, give a headline, just like this woman did. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they came, and they came. Then the disciples came back, and those, uh, and they're bringing him food. He says, "I have food that you don't even know about." They wondered if someone had fed him, <clears throat> and then he tells them, uh, "Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest." What did that mean? Well. If you got all these people coming out from the town and Jesus is telling them, you know, it's time to harvest and he's telling them to look, what are they seeing? They're seeing people that are ready to hear the word of God. They're, they're, they're coming out intentionally to hear the word of God. And he, then he said, um, for here the saying holds true. One sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into that labor. So he calls out that, you know, we need harvesters. We need people to harvest. The, the, the It's ripe. People are ripe to hear. And I believe we're in another season again where people are ready to hear about God. They're ready to hear about freedom. They're ready to hear about Jesus. And, uh, and they just want some hope. And are you going to be a harvester? Are you going to, are you going to, uh, bring in the harvest because people want to hear it and you, you just have to give them a headline. Just let them know what's changed your life. So after that, we, we, uh, Jesus heals an official son. And this is a, another miracle that, he, that we give here that Jesus gives. And it's kind of an, another indirect miracle and it's in the same kind of place it's in the same area where he did his first miracle at the uh, wedding where he did 
an indirect miracle. Remember, we talked about that. He he sent the servants to fill up the jars, to fill up the pots. He sent and and then bring the cup to the master of the of the house, and it had turned into wine. Well, he does the same kind of thing here. The uh, um, the man came up to him. Uh, uh, when this man heard that Jesus had come to Judea, Galilee, this is verse forty-seven. He went up to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, he doesn't say the same thing he said to, to Mary. It's not my time. But what he said, <clears throat> sir, um, the official said, sir, come down before my child dies. I mean, go down to where his house is. He's up on, on a high place. <clears throat> Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went away if you know the story uh, the the man was healed his servants came out told him the 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 young the young man had 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 his fever broke he, he was healed and uh they asked what time it was the same time that jesus said that verse 54 last verse chap last verse of the chapter this is now the second sign that jesus did when he had come from judea to galilee second sign but still not direct, indirect. He wasn't there. He he said, he told the man he's healed because of his faith. He believed that Jesus could do what he said he was going to do. And because of his faith, he was healed. Mary believed Jesus could fix the problem at the wedding. She just said, just do what he says. And, and Jesus does two indirect miracles because his time hadn't come yet because he still was going to where the public miracle was going to be. Now, these people are going to tell about it. The apostles saw both, the disciples. They saw both miracles. They're aware of both miracles. They know what happened. Now we have another person who's going to know. So it's the word's going to get out, okay? The word's going to get out, and we'll see that. So that's coming in episodes coming up. So we're glad you joined us. Uh, we had a great time. Studio audience playing. Glad you're here. Um, we hope that you continue to join us. Don't forget about wakeuptotheword.org. You can go there. Or you can go to Jeff's stack of stuff and, and download what you need. Everything, every link, every paper, picture, a diagram I reference here I will put up on Jeff's stack of stuff, but you can only get it at Wake Up to the Word. So, uh, .org. So go to Wake Up to the Word .org. Get yourself there, and you can uh, make sure that you have the updated Bible reading plan. They come every quarter. We're still in the middle of quarter number one. So hope to see you very very soon. Love you guys. Stay in the Word.